0: He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. So the cleaner can think I'm just a, and so, you know, I'm not going to be able to speak up or whatever it may be, but they can also think, you know, to the office professional, they can say, well, you're just an office professional. You don't understand what I go through every day. And you know what? The office professional has their own sets of challenges and there is no just on on any side. Every, every role, every profession should be valued within the organization. And so, yeah. Not a just, no,
1: just a mentality. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. Alright, Nathan, I see that you guys have added cigarette detection to the new Gen 3 device. And my question is, what's the difference between cigarette smoke and any other type of smoke? Yeah, great
0: question. We're so excited about this new feature. We launched it at the very end of May and we've called it cigarette detection for a reason, right? So it's a machine learning feature, very intelligent and it doesn't just detect all smoke. It's not a smoke alarm, but specifically cigarette smoke. So if someone's in your rental and they've burnt a piece of toast or created some other type of smoke, we won't bother you with an alert. But if we detect using our cigarette detection feature that they're smoking cigarettes, then we'll send you an alert. So a great way to get alerts about the things you do care about
1: while not getting alerts about the things that you don't. All right. You heard it here first. Another minute with minute and now back to the episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. And this one's exciting because I have the one and only John Wick. You know, the big movie you've seen. I'm just kidding. We have Jonathan Wicks today, who is the founder of Well and Good. So Jonathan, I'm excited to interview you. We got to meet at the first conference we actually hung out at, which was Level Up Your Listing in Scottsdale. And I got to learn a little bit about your business. And I was incredibly shocked and surprised because your business is not an easy one in our industry. But before I spill all the beans and the details, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Well, thank you. I'm doing great. Yeah. The name thing, John Wick is like kind
0: of, I've got the whole don't mess with my dog thing going on. So yes. I, yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> just at all costs. My mom always made me go by Jonathan. And so she would never let me be named John until now the movie came out. And so people then naturally leaned towards that too. Yeah. But definitely was a good one. And I just wanted to give note to the conferences that you were, that we met at. I don't know anybody that's been, that's listening, that's been to a conference where Will is attending. You've got to see his dance moves on post-conference. The conference really doesn't start until there's music and Will is dancing. It's incredible. It's a sight to see the skills. <laughs> the skills are all off
1: the chart. Well, you think I should quit podcasting and go into dancing full-time? There's something there to it. There's something there. He's <laughs> good. Hey,
0: good, man.
1: If we go into a massive economic... Recession and crash. I know where I can rely on when it comes to making
0: some money. The One old these...
1: trusty, yeah, the old trusty <laughs> moves. The uh, sprinkler never let you down. Never. Yeah. <laughs> well, enough, enough about me and the dance moves. <laughs> that apparently you're not the first person to mention. So all my listeners are probably like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know Will could do that." So it's like, "Oh, you be careful." Know what? Yeah. Find about.
0: a conference that Will is attending. Find a conference, maybe even that he's emceeing because he's also good at that. But. Go there and then find out where you're going afterwards, Will. What's going on here? Is there any
1: music? That's, yeah, I would just, it's worth it. Well, I got to say, you know, to compliment you, you're a man of style. We are two brothers that got to be wearing the same set of shoes at two conferences in a row. <laughs> you, can't I mean, you can't make that up.
0: mean, you can't make that Walking in, we're like, oh, nice shoes. And then the six months later, we're literally doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So, brothers Great from time. another mother. Love it. Yeah. I have uh, no Cole dance Haan. skills though.
1: I have no dance skills, so that's where I that's where you lose me. That's fine. People will be like looking at our feet and be like, I thought I just saw you over there, but then I saw you on the dance floor and it's like, no. Shout out to Kohan for making good shoes that we were rocking at these conferences. Okay, potential but enough potential yeah.
0: sponsorship Kohan.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll give you 15% of whatever they bring in, all right? Well, so, we'll be good. All right, enough of us Getting to goof off. This is about Jonathan and his company and his story. So I want to really jump in, my friend, because I got to hear about your company, obviously, like we were just talking about through conferences. And I think, you know, there's always this kind of, I don't know, conversation, sexiness of people being like, oh, I have this tech company and or we have this many properties and this and this. But your business is so different because it is the unsexy of sexy in our industry where operations and turnover and all the other pieces logistics that go into making sure a home is prepared and ready for guests and you guys really take that on into a huge scale compared to what i've seen throughout the industry in multiple states and whatever you want to call it so tell me one for the listener's sake what your company does and who you service and then two let's start where did this all begin for you i would love to hear kind of like the light bulb moment behind it.
0: Yeah, so I'll get into what we do. We are a servicing company within the short-term rental space. So we provide full-scale servicing for hosts, and that primarily consists of three things. It is that we complete the professional cleaning, we complete the off-site laundering as well as the sourcing of hotel style linens. And then we do all of the guest essentials. We supply the guest essentials. We purchase them. We are making sure that the home is entirely guest ready with things like high-level soaps, your paper products, your consumable items. The bundling of the cleaning, the linens, and the guest essentials is our core service. And we complete that for hosts of all types. So whether hosts that have a lot of homes or hosts that have one home, regardless, we are providing that service and it's something we based it. 3 years ago we started out of Scottsdale Arizona and then now have expanded to different markets across the country and really just trying to find the industry's biggest need and help with it was really the thought and you know getting into how it all happened a lot of it was because I've loved the short term rental space for a long time I was a guest and stayed you know in tons of properties and I love the upsides that it would provide but also, and I kind of just went into it knowing what a lot of people know is just the downsides. It's probably going to be gross, and it's probably going to be somebody's old sheets, and you you might have to go buy toilet paper, all these different things. And and then I really saw it even more so from a host perspective. I had my old property, and so I started to look into, okay, how am I going to service this property? So I hire a residential cleaner, somebody who is you know going in to do the cleaning portion. And I realized there was so much more. This was a house that had 10 beds in it. And we were trying to figure out the laundry. Do we try to do it there at the house? Do they take it offside? Do they take my linens? How does that work when something's stained? And then how do we supply the house? Is it constant Amazon deliveries to the house or to the, maybe to the cleaner's house? And, and I just thought there should be a company that exists that specializes in the turnover services completely, not just providing a cleaner, but providing the things that the cleaner needs to be efficient and to actually be set up for success. And that company really didn't exist. And I, my background is in scaling service companies. And so I said, let's do this. This is a, an industry that I'm passionate about. And I really think the needs, it, this fills the big need of consumer confidence. And we can get into that later, but that's kind of the start of Well and Good is I, I saw the need from both the guest as well as the host perspective. and And that led to the concept of a full-scale servicing company.
1: Well, I would love to dive into that. As you're sharing that story, you said you had experiences in the past from scaling service companies. Mm-hmm. So what is your background? Like what Indeed. type of, because this is obviously a hard challenge to solve in our industry. I can only imagine what other type of service businesses in other industries you've been a part of that are also very hard and logistic. and.
0: Yeah. So I, I, I cut my teeth. I cut my teeth. And with my first company, I started when I was 19 years old. I was in college and I needed to be able to do something overnight. So I started a cleaning company when I was 19 and we did commercial cleaning. We did like the janitorial cleaning for restaurants, back of house overnights, cleaning the Buffalo Wild Rings, Red Robin, Red Lobsters, all those. We would do the cleaning. I had my college buddies that were able to help with that. And so we, I scaled that company in Northwest Indiana and then ended up selling that company after college and going into working with bank owned homes. So we were at a point where there was a lot of foreclosures there. There was a lot of needs within the homes that were sitting empty to be serviced. So our company was completing things like the lock changes or the grass cuts or the small repairs that needed to happen for these homes. And it was, there are so many parallels to the industry, but basically at that time, There were a lot of foreclosures that had kind of come onto the market. There had been this overwhelming amount of volume that really had left a lot of operational issues within the industry. And we were able to bring in some transparency. We introduced the idea of photos to that industry and to start to show the work that we did working at a property that was owned by a bank, you, know, you could say, hey, we cut the grass and if there was no proof of it, no one would know. And so then there was people taking advantage of you know others. And so we brought in some of that level of transparency and that was my main core business was working with those homes for the last 10 years. I purchased another company and we ran both those companies until I sold the majority of that company in the end of 2019. I was planning on being kind of away from entrepreneurship. I was not planning on starting something. And uh,
1: yeah, the bug got me. And I just saw the need in this industry and said, let's do it. Wow. It's crazy that it's also like a cleaning company and a service company focus on all the other stuff in homes. Like you were still in the same industry, just in a different segment of it, right? Like primary residence for secondary third, right? and And all of them had to do with completing a service when
0: there was generally not someone occupying the home. So, so whether that is an empty home of a bank owned, or it's an empty restaurant with, which needs to be turned over, or if it's a short term rental between guests. And that requires a lot of trust. It requires a lot of transparency, a lot of documentation, efficient communication. And those things are really, when we look at what's needed in the short-term rental space, that's exactly it, is how during yeah. that time, how can we document things better? How can we make sure that we're communicating during that really small window of time? And and yeah, so those things definitely have parallels
1: for sure within the different industries. Well, and then, yeah, to go into the fact that when you get into the vacation rental sector, you don't have to figure this out and be like, oh, where do we start and how do we do this? And like kind of run around with your head cut off. It sounds like you, know, you kind of came in with some already you know pre-existing tools some pre-existing experience pre-existing uh, you know just idea of know exactly where to tackle which every single host whether you're a one property host up to a hundred property vacation rental manager you know that's where we all usually start is like how the hell do we figure this out and just like we just run until we run out of juice and then we're like oh there's systems and processes that we can use. Exactly yeah. In there. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. This industry is so full of throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks because there's not a manual. There's not a playbook for it. And I think there are some fundamental things that I was able to learn from the previous companies. You know, one of them being that you have to and find everyone's biggest need and help them with it. And we knew that the servicers, the actual folks that were doing the work in the field, the cleaners in this instance within our industry, were really not set up for success often. And the best of them were actually not wanting to service short-term rentals because they didn't want to do the laundry or manage major inventory closets. They were professional cleaners. And I think that Focusing on everybody's individual skill set is so huge. And we did that with, within the other industry. It's so needed here because I think if we can set some core principles, which is that you know we value the professionals that work in our organization and we want to set them up for success, which is the most selfish thing we could possibly do because of course that's going to yeah. make a successful organization as a whole. But we get away from that a lot of times when we get into you know just thinking all about numbers and we lose the humanity aspect of business and that's always been at the forefront of what I've done is, you know, I love, oh my goodness. There we go. I love technology. I love the, I love the aspect of all those new
1: ways, but this is still a people business and service industries have to be. hundred percent. And yeah, the part that intrigues me the most, especially with your experience where I'm like, I want to dig deeper under the last year or two or three, when you were 19 and you started, you know, you're like, Hey, I need to hustle and get through college. Do you think that was an initial reaction, obviously, due to like the circumstance of being in college and trying to like make sure you pay your way through and whatnot? Or have you always kind of had a entrepreneurial bug or itch or curiosity? I know the question is, has been asked many times on this show to everyone or in other shows and podcasts and entrepreneur stuff is, you know, were you born or made
0: as an entrepreneur?
1: And I would love to know like your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, so I think nature or nurture, I do believe, you know, everything in my life is an and mentality. And so I definitely would, you know, I suppose everybody probably says that it's a bit of both, but I know that, you know, my, my growing up led to a lot of the entrepreneurial Path that I have now. My dad was a farmer. And with that, he was somebody who was always very much, you know, you buy and you sell and you get gain and you do those kind of individual business things that we did. Growing up in a rural world does make, you know, every farmer bailing hay growing up. I was milking cows, bailing hay, doing those kind of things that is like you instill a work ethic, first of all, but then seeing everybody and knowing that this is their world, this is their livelihood, and their livelihood is consistent of it's their business. It's small business personified within the small towns. End. And so I was able to see that. And we did the classic things, you know, we had a pretty awesome lawn service, me and my brothers when we were in high school. And that's like, I can't recommend that stuff enough. You know, you're cut teeth and you start to, I was always the PR person. So my brothers would always say, all right, you go to the you go to Betsy's door and collect the money and you're gonna talk to her about all this stuff. We're gonna we're gonna cut the grass like you know, but you're talking to her, like you go collect the payments. and so that was always <laughs> my thing. And I would then, you know, talk to her and see about her neighbor's yard getting cut and classic things like that definitely set up for that. And then what really prompted it in college was I had a good job as a sales position within the large service company a service master company and a great organization but i did love that idea of the sale and you know the aspect of that and, but sometimes i felt like the operational back end wasn't always so great so i'm like well i wanted it to be more of a part of a holistic process rather than just the sale and then letting it go to wherever it goes and uh, so that's what led me to saying like i think i want to tackle this and there's a freedom and there's all the things that make an entrepreneur <laughs> but, but i think that the foundation was laid early for
1: some, for that, those kind of things to be in place. Yeah, definitely. That makes so much sense. And it, it's so funny because you have the and symbol on your shirt. You mentioned the and mentality, and this is one thing I had written down. I don't normally like do pre-screened questions before recording with someone, but before you jumped in, I was like, all right, why? And why is it so significant for you? Is that personal or is this just something that you've always just had at the forefront You know getting into business i would love to know
0: it's so it's so personal to both my own beliefs but also what i believe we need in business and you know there's this mindset of the if you look at the contrarian of what an and mindset would be it'd be an or mindset it would be that we either have to choose this path or that path we either have to choose profitability or treating our people the right way or we have to choose you know the environment or doing the doing a good job and i I just i am an and person because I think that the way to find win-win solutions, which is what our end is all about, is we're going to serve well and do good. And both of those things matter. And the win-win solutions come from human to human interactions. Most of the time, if you're looking for the compromise and you're looking for the wins, you can find them. But you have to lean into that as like a fundamental aspect of your life or your business or whatever so we wanted to make it just be like all over that is what we are looking to do we're looking to have win win solutions that have to benefit everybody if we can't say that this benefits this group and this group we need to reassess there and it's my entire life thing i always talk about eco guy i'm not sure if you're familiar with eco guy that's a, like I've my heard, favorite yeah a little bit not much it's the japanese mindset that basically you, you take all the things that you take what you love and what you're good at, where you can make money at and what you think the world needs. And you combine that all in and you make one word. And for me, it's, and it's that we need to have more, you know, meet in the middle mindset. And there, there are wins to be had. And a lot of times we don't because we're so convinced that one side or the other has to win. And I just, I fundamentally believe we can have more and in our world and clearly based off our logos everywhere, I'm pretty insistent on making that happen. So yes,
1: Well, why is that so personal for you? What kind of made this become such a cornerstone for everything you do from business to personal to everything else? Is there a significant moment or? I think it's maybe the element
0: of seeing people that got hurt because someone stepped on them to get somewhere you know, that is the, but I've seen it personally. I've seen it in business where greed comes in or whatever it is. And they say, I'm going to win on the back of someone else. And, you know, I think we've seen it in our culture a lot lately, but for me personally, yeah, I saw some very, you know, growing up, I, I was, I grew up in a, in the rural world, but my dad was somebody who always, and so maybe a lot of this does go back to good parents that just taught you, you know, like, do things the right way. There does not need to be a taking advantage of one of our core values that we do not take advantage of those within our reach. And we will remove ourselves from people who do seek to take advantage of us because there's enough of that out there. But if you can just simply say, I'm not going to be taking advantage of people. I'm going to be here for your best interest. And you can be authentic about that. It's powerful having seen the right way. And I think that I'm blessed to have parents who did
1: show a little bit of that in real life. Yeah, no, for sure. And I love that core value. The, we have a similar one in the sense of it's we'll we have two core values above it which is to work with those who are passionate and to have attention to detail no matter how big or how small and three is to not work with those who don't see that as a cornerstone and no matter how much it financially would or wouldn't benefit the company we don't want to kind of associate in a similar way where it's like obviously we don't want to take advantage of each other but for you you know did you always have core values in your business or did, is this after, you know, two successful exits leading into Well and Good, you know, that it finally you're like, oh, man, we really do need out. I think core values for me have been the biggest game changer for just how we do day to day. I think you're dead on right. The core values are the biggest game changer probably from our companies
0: perspective. This is the one that I vocalize them the most. I think we always yeah. had. We always had them in the concept and some of the philosophies and things. But we didn't say it and we didn't speak it, put it out in front of everybody the way that we are now. And I think it's because, you know, in seeing the a lot of the success that I've had prior, it was because of a personal set of core values, you know? And so it's yeah. like, okay, if that's going to be the thing that's helping us as an organization, let's hope that everybody catches on to that. And let's set things that are beyond just me, but that over, you know, that umbrella of the entire organization. And uh, yeah, one, you know, just the simple... In, in the previous industry that I was in with the bank on work, there was pe people were not getting paid constantly. Constantly was more thing. So one of our things so is like we are going to pay for the services completed. And that was regardless of whether our client paid us. So we made the decision. We made one decision, which is that we we're going to pay for the services that were rightfully completed. And that shifted our then people started to know that they were working for a company who was going to have their back. And that that value was there. I think it started to become over years, people saw that. And in this case, I'm saying, let's accelerate that a bit. Let's just speak it from the start and let's live it from the start. And if we have it as more than just what's on our walls, but like how we live on and operate on a daily basis,
1: it does get accelerated. I feel like. Yeah. And it definitely, I think helps weed out those who you want to work with and not want to work with. I think, you know, it's great to have it on the wall or write it on a Slack channel with your team or, you know, agree with it within an email. But until you put it out there, you don't, you not saying that you don't attract what you already feel and preach, but once you put it out there, it really does help kind of shift through the clutter, right? I think you guys can see that probably through your clients that you work with today. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly.
0: It's the, you know, it's the ultimate shield to the folks that may be not right for your organization, both whether it's on the client side or if it's on the teammate side, right? It's both of them. And like, you know, we are kind of like that a little bit more of a bold company from the servicing side, which servicing companies usually are not bold. They're usually the ones that are in the shadows They're the quiet ones or the timid ones. They don't want to, they don't want to ruffle any feathers and things like that. With us, we're saying like, if we firmly believe that we are presenting win-win solution, we should be bold about that. And we should be able to say, Hey, you know, let's stand for that. Let's be okay with the fact that some people may not want that. Some people may want to be taking advantage of whether it's taking advantage of us or, others and that's their prerogative, but we have made our umbrella, our shield, whatever you want to call it. And I do believe that the more we vocalize that, the more that it really aligns us with the folks
1: that want to be aligned. And and that's been a
0: great thing.
1: Yeah. And this industry is no shortage of communities and connection and it's a small world. Once you know so-and-so at this conference and you meet and now all of a sudden you have all the same people in one conference that are like having a family reunion basically. Yeah. because you're we like, <laughs> you know, it's such a small world. So, yeah, uh, it's super cool. And I'm always curious, you know, we got to talk a little bit on our pre-chat just on the stuff that you guys are doing today and the way you see the industry and but you are bold. You, service companies, cleaners, maintenance staff, none of them want to ruffle feathers. They want to just do their job and be in and out without having any kind of head, headache or because the work is already hard so why do they want to complicate it you know that's kind of already the mentality so walk me through some maybe kind of insight on a your day to day but two how do you successfully set up systems for hosts or operators that really are trying to build something when it comes to a hospitality business and you know there's a lot to know there's a lot of tech there's a lot of operations there's a lot of Changes happening on the OTA side, so with you guys when it comes into logistics and operations, what's your kind of just immediate core go to
0: Yeah, I think that everybody should be focused on their primary functions, and you know that's one of the biggest things you just mentioned how managers or hosts have so much on their plate, things like tech, things like you know all these different things that they're going to be doing revenue optimization, property onboards there's all these things, and we say, okay, let us help you by having us obsessed. Someone that needs to be obsessing over the fact that there's a flat tire with the cleaner and they got to reroute that. And somebody's got to be like, well, wait, is that toilet paper the highest quality we can get for that price? And like all these things that are, we do preach that. So a lot of my day-to-day and a lot of our company is all about saying, okay, what is it that you are great at? And we want to have people be great at what they are great at. and We want to be great at what we are. And that's the same thing with our professionals internally, which is that if you are a full-time cleaning professional, you should be great at that. You have chosen that profession, lean into it. And we as a company will lean into that as well. We will not be asking you to be a full-time laundry attendant because that's a profession as well. And that has people that are really good at that and they have leaned into that as their main primary thing. So leaning into to focus and focus through intentional, that you have chosen this path. like A host has chosen to be a host. It's not saying that they can't run a cleaning company, but it's probably not the best, you know, best thing for their time and for their overall company, the thing that they've chosen to do. So it, 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 focusing on focus is probably my biggest thing is telling everybody, don't try to be everything at once. Be Lean into your strengths and certainly surround yourself with folks that, that, that choose to do the things that they are great at.
1: 100%. And Not to keep referencing conferences, but one of the core things that's similar to what you just said at Level Up Your Listing was, you know, there's a lot of people that get in that realm of, well, I only have one property Mm -hmm. or I'm only at five homes or whatever the size or scale might be. And so many people feel like shame and kind of it's like, no, only one property is great. It's better than having zero properties. It's better than not starting and knowing that you're passionate about hospitality or taking care of guests and hosting and this type of industry that we're in and not doing anything and just letting it fade away. So go ahead. Yeah. And if you're great at
0: something,
1: you're going to get more of it.
0: So, like, yeah. you know, if the reframe was I am great at hosting one property, I think that those folks may be surprised at how quickly that turns into I am great at doing two of those, you know, properties and the the limiting beliefs of saying that volume matters and that all the growth is the real thing—it's what are you great at? Because that will always multiply. The things that you're great at will multiply. Whereas if you're, you know, if you're looking at it from a strictly numbers perspective, that is your only—that is your only barometer. And I think we should judge
1: ourselves off of what we're great at. For sure, it's just—it goes back to you know the housekeeping side. Whether it's like I'm—I'm I'm just a cleaner. You know, mm-hmm. we hear that all the time. Or they're just the maintenance staff, and it's like no, oh. our core values. So we have eight
0: core values, eight core values. A couple of them have rotated throughout each year. So we have some that are like fundamental and ever changing. Then we have a couple of rotating our first year. It was that we do not have a just mentality. We literally, it was our one of our, it was our first year core value because that's exactly what we said, because sometimes, you know, the just mentality can go both ways, right? So the cleaner can think I'm just a, and so, you know, I'm not going to be able to speak up or whatever it may be, but they can also think, you know, to the office professional, they can say, well, you're just an office professional. You don't understand what I go through every day and you know what the office professional has their own sets of challenges and there is no just uh, on any side. Every, every role, every profession should be
1: valued within the organization. And so, yeah, not a just, no, just uh, mentality. All right. Slick talkers now for another dynamic sponsored duo of the podcast. I would love to introduce you to Ventory and Safely. About Ventory, we've had Brooke Fotz on the podcast, who's a founder, multiple times, and him and his team know numbers. They know data, and they know marketing. They know how to help property managers just like you scale and grow their business by adding more inventory, aka more homes, into your rental program that drive the bottom line for all of you listeners that want to learn how to scale and grow your inventory you can get a free digital copy of brooke's book called from zero to 500 properties in five years and for an added bonus if you would do a demo of the Ventory platform you'll get a 50 dollars gift card to amazon now that's a sick deal and now to touch on our friends at safely.com safely.com helps property managers just like you and I protecting the homes that they manage from structural damage to content damage and of course bodily injury. This means plates, linens, cups, couches, tables, curtains, walls, and of course your guests themselves are protected and this helps you by scaling your company in order to ensure that you are retaining owners and inventory in your program. If anything is broken or if anyone is hurt you are able to make a claim through safely and within three business days you can get Instantly paid out to replace any items and settle any claims that happen on site without having to deduct from your owner's payouts. That's why I call these guys the dynamic sponsor duo. And thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Check out their offers in the show notes and back to the episode. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And now with all the areas and the homes and the types of hosts and companies you guys are working with, I'm always curious to hear this. You know, when a company or an entrepreneur has such a reach and gets to see such a different spread of, you know, operators and different markets and whatever it might be. I'm always curious, you know, what's the inside scoop? And when I say inside scoop, what are you seeing that isn't maybe being talked about in today's, you know, I'm as a media guy, like I would love to know, like, are we talking about topics that aren't really mattering or mattering? Is that even a word that don't even matter (laughs) or, are, they, are there topics that haven't made out of these, like, legit areas or destinations that, you know, they're suffering with X, Y, and Z, but no one's talking about it, so there's no real resource. And I would love to, to see from your perspective, what do you see? What's What's your pulse look like inside the industry as you guys are, you know, growing and continuing to work with different operators? I think that
0: we are... We are struggling a bit with being held hostage as a, maybe as society, but definitely within our industry, held hostage by ratings. I think that we are so enslaved to the fact that if we don't bend over backwards for our guest and give them something, they're literally holding these ransom. And it is a strange thing that, that really is encompassing of about 10% of guests That are simply going to hold the rating over your head in order to get what they want and we've got to as a society start to you know you you go to the uber driver and you know if you give them a four it immediately says what was wrong right and it's like well it just wasn't a five. there was nothing really that moved the needle for me about this it was nothing bad but a four is like a four is like death sometimes in in our industry and in in whenever algorithms are being created based off of that. And I think we've got to understand that like you know, we did a survey and we asked the folks within our world, would you trust a 5.0 or a 4.9? And most people now are starting to trust the 4.9 more because it means there's some realness to it. They didn't pay for their reviews. They didn't, you know, not review the other person so that way wouldn't show up in theirs. And there's all these games that we're playing with reviews. And I think it's weighing heavily on hosts because there are a lot of guests that are playing games with it. And I just think that we need to start to have more overarching getting in front of that and I think that's something that I see bubbling under the surface that is a challenge within our industry so that's maybe one thing I could get into some other things I think that people are definitely seeing that they need to level up the competition everybody's going to say that there's obviously a ton more competition but how do you level up becomes really interesting you know there's every everything done on purpose is always going to be a huge thing that people are realizing certainly themed houses or themed properties are performing a lot more so than ones that don't. And that does not mean that the theme needs to cater to a specific audience. I think that we're seeing a lot more of a neutral theming, but a theme. And I think that's super smart. And, you know, that to me is shifting where we should be, which is a very unique experience, because that's what short-term rentals are designed to be, is a unique experience but one that can cater to potentially more audiences that, you know, we always think of when we think of theme immediately, everybody thinks bachelorette parties. Right. And it's like, yeah. yeah, And that may be, you know, the majority of the groups that are coming, but there's groups that are traveling for all different reasons. And you can lean into themes that have a lot more neutrality and still attract every type of group within that.
1: Well, I was going to say like probably another theme is Disney or some kind of like character star Wars or, You know that type of stuff, and it's like it's not every house doesn't need to be a Disney house or a Star Wars house or a bachelorette, you know, hub. That yeah, there's I agree, I agree, and
0: I think you know that we could talk a lot about the shifts of the you know the regulatory climate and all that. And there's I think that what people are really finding is. You know, you have to be involved with your community. You know, every host should be involved in some sort of a coalition. Everybody should be looking at our industry as more of a collective rather than the individual, you know, just us doing it our own way and our own self. This is an industry that that should be united and should be united for making our communities better. Because like the fact is, you know, I don't think that shoving 20 people into a house with two bathrooms and one parking spot is a good idea. Like, and we need to be honest about that. And we need to say like, listen, you know, some of the ways that we've done it may not be the best ways to be able to keep us to be able to do what we do and i think the smart hosts are starting to realize that the ones who really are taking advantage of neighborhoods and communities we we need to be unified and
1: say like all right let's say regulations can be helpful in this case and yeah. i think that's happening as well yeah well coming back before we get to that cuz that's a whole another can of worms <laughs> that i'm ready to jump into but it's a can for sure going into the theme stuff i'm always kind of curious you know being a service-based company and dealing with you know cleanings and turnovers and maintenance and all this stuff, I've heard both sides, and I would love to hear your take. On the service side, a lot of people say, I hate a themed home. I hate well-designed with all the extra things on the walls, things on the ceilings, mm-hmm. carpets everywhere, whatever the piece might be. But then the others would say, I love it because at the end of the day, not all of that stuff gets used. So it's actually pretty easy to clean and maneuver around. But I would love your guys' take when it comes to a themed home versus just a normal real estate kind of like showing staged home. Yeah, there's furniture, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that the you know, staging and designing has a lot of aspects. You know, there's to me, we say this all the time we offer customization within standardization. So I love customizing things. I think that leaning into an orange room or a blue room or a green room is smart, but that does not mean that you need an orange comforter or a green comforter or those things that are going to prevent optimi- optimized servicing. Like you're going to have a yeah. the kink there at some point because the, of the way that you themed something. So I think that looking at the ongoing turnover process, like we say, you know, we provide the blank canvas for the artists, which are the hosts to paint their masterpiece. Like, absolutely. So we're going to give all the white, beautiful sheets and even top sheets, all of that, but then let's do pops of color with throw blankets and let's do that a little bit more thought through from the ongoing logistical perspective of this. So to me. From a servicing perspective, I think themes are awesome if they are thought through in terms of how is this gonna look in, in eight months from now and this house gets beaten up. Is that thing gonna be gonna be a constant issue of like it needs to go back here? And you know, there's some general thoughts that I would say about it, especially the linens. The linens are the big thing, individual different colors, towels, different colored towels are gonna, they're gonna end up you know bleeding into all of your other colors and you're gonna have problems with that. So thinking through from the servicing side, I love the themes. And I think that we should think through them more in the terms of decorations and more in terms of accent items, rather than the actual fundamental part of a linen or you know the towels or things that are needing to be changed on an ongoing
1: basis. Hundred percent, yeah, couldn't agree more. It's just one of those things, though. Like when you, unless you have the experience, like you do, you really don't think about that stuff, right? It's oh shoot moment where you're realizing these things happen. You're like, ah, dang, I shouldn't have bought that comforter that's purple and orange and blah 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 or whatever.
0: And to that point, we work with a lot of great designers and a lot of times what's happening now, the best hosts or talking about the servicing with their designer so they're saying like let's talk through this you know what is the best way to do this and we've seen some real great wins working with the designers and saying like yeah what if we what if we didn't do that on the bedspread, but we rather did that as an accent blanket and those little shifts can be a big part of it and I think involving if you know who your servicer is going to be we are starting to be a lot earlier in the process because we have a lot of folks who are like that I really wish I would have found well and good before I went out and bought all of these other things and all that. And we work to offset and we work to, you know, to most of our properties that come to us are transition properties, meaning they were an active short-term rental before we start servicing them. So we clearly have, you know, we work towards finding solutions there, but it definitely helps when you're setting something up and you know who your servicer is going to be. Yeah. including in that process of knowing what that's going to look like is a help. and I think that the designers appreciate that because they don't want their yeah. work to go in vain either. You know, designers are, do a great job of setting themes and all that. And no doubt we work with some great ones. We can refer anyone ones
1: that you want. They're nationwide. They're yeah. awesome. You probably know yeah, <laughs> No, a couple. I know, we, you know, they may have been at level up your listing. No big deal. Yeah, out you're, out you're here, right. here. and Tatiana. No. no, I want to go back to this regulation piece. I know it's one piece that can be a really hard topic from at least a listener standpoint. I know, you know, podcast listeners, there can be a, a little bit of listener fatigue when it comes either to topics or sponsors and ads. And I try to be mindful of that. But one of the big ones in our industry, especially, is regulations. And, you know, I'm big friends and fans of Rent Responsibly and, you know, a bunch right behind of, me help you know, that side. Yeah. Oh, there it is. There, there it, it is. There it is. <laughs> But love, love Dave and the team and Alexa and Dana and just the work that they're doing. But, you know, when it comes to regulation, especially being new, and I know a lot of our listeners are more professional, 10 plus homes type deal. But when it comes to being new, regulations is not a thing that ever crosses your mind unless, again, you've had experience in some other work or industry where, again, you got hit with regulations and stuff like that. So, you know, when people hear it, I think these this current day and age and kind of other podcasts, which we could be guilty of are, you know, it's oh, OK, regulations, whatever. Yeah. So what you can't operate your home. Great. Your home probably wasn't made to be a short term rental or stuff like that kind of is going through our head. But it doesn't just impact the host or the owner. It impacts companies like well and good. It impacts your teams and impacts the companies you work with. It impacts our tech providers and impacts so many people when it comes to regulation that I want to touch on that because you did mention, you know, regulations. And for you guys, when it comes to fair regulation and just the way we operate today, what are your thoughts? Like, what, where's your kind of like hot take right now when it comes to regulatory, you know, talks and conversations?
0: So I'm going to give this from a servicer's perspective, of course, you know, so this is,
1: you know, looking
0: at it from my vantage point. But I do think that we... If we were to lean into some of the real negatives of what short-term rentals have within the community, which is that it's kind of a low class, everybody coming into party, you know, you need, we can list all the things, right? So from yeah. a servicer's perspective, some of the things that, that we feel like we could help bring to the conversation is let's first, let's make sure that they're is not a packing in of the home of in terms of occupancy. I think that occupancy limits are healthy. And I think that if we don't, we're going to always be stuck with having too many people in the house and the neighbors never going to be thrilled about that. So like (laughs) that is something that I think is just smart to look into of, you know, does it make sense for the actual property? The other thing is the Are we looking at it from the health and safety perspective, the same protocol that, you know, hotels have to go through Scott still just dealt with this majorly here locally, and they put in some smart guidelines, such as like, you know, your emergency plan and things like your, you know, in what is the process for cleaning the laundry, right? Like is if you're literally not having any sort of a laundering process you're opening yourself up to all kinds of really what I think are the things that lead us to the problems. Unsanitary, not service professionally. You know, just that that mom and pop mindset that it's like, okay, we really, we see that if we are not paying attention to the professionalization of our industry, then it is going to be going down to that like lowest common denominator, which is just get it done or put as many people as you want in the house or anything like that. So that's what I think our benefits to some of the possible regulations you know i i think there's so many ways that hosts do great jobs of assimilating themselves into the communities i we have some of our hosts that literally have to take a book leave a book right the outside you know the one thing that screams neighborhood more than anything is the little little house that's got the books or hosts do it right and it's like it's not that airbnb next to me it's like yeah that's are part of the community too and i think that like just doing super over the top intentional stuff like that lean into it because that that does allow for it but maybe that answers the question a little bit maybe too much from my vantage point but i think the other points have been said in terms of like maybe the other you know that some of the main highlights but that's from my vantage point the things that i see people doing that are helping contribute to the conversation to say hey if this is done the right way, it does produce jobs. It does produce tax revenue. Ooh, we should also be paying taxes. We should be paying taxes. We should be paying taxes. That means that the servicing company should be paying taxes, right? We should not just be paying individual cleaners under the table and making that the way of doing short-term rentals because that runs into a head, right? It's like, and so we look and say, Let's be above board. We will make sure that every everyone in our organization has been background checked and has been is has a tax identification. All of those different things matter, and we work with that as closely to the ground as anyone in our organization. I'm sorry, anyone in our industry, and uh, and I think that matters. So preaching that loudly and saying, "Well, look, we're leaning into paying taxes. We should every entity that brings revenue to this extent should."
1: Yeah, agreed. Except for the federal government, they don't. Sh- they shouldn't get some. Of that. I'm just kidding. Um, we could get into that all day on that
0: <laughs> yeah if we're supporting the local tourism you know yeah. we're supporting you know, yeah. all that stuff the local yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i were in agreement Will like oh
1: yeah yeah it's like i was like i'm not gonna reveal myself too much but i agree i think like you know it's there's things where at the end of the day it's okay to be in the gray area For some stuff, but one of the things that you shouldn't be and can't be at least in business is when it comes to your taxes, when it comes to your operations and your attention to detail of bigger subjects like advocacy and regulation like that, that is a thing where there is no gray area it's black and white right now. And that's what helps move the best legislations forward for our industry. Like you're talking about like occupancy stuff. That's something you can't just be like, oh yeah, whatever. Like that actually does matter because if you give an inch, it'll take a mile and that's when parties and bad things happen and, you know, companies like Minute and Safely and Proper and all these other types of company pop up because they, one, need, are needed. But at the end of the day, it's going to cause more and more, again, of those issues that are going to look make the industry look down upon by travelers and guests and neighbors and communities as a whole. So. And it's like that's an and mentality, right? Do we
0: need noise monitoring, insurance, et cetera, or regulations? It's both. We do need both. Like we need to have the guardrails that say, you know, in a general sense, don't put a zillion people in the house, don't do this, don't do this. But also like if the if you follow those and they still are causing a big problem, then you've got your you've got your noise monitoring, you've got your insurance, you've got your different things that you cover And I think both worlds are needed within our space. And I think that you know, we can lean into that
1: both sides for sure. I love it I love that we're on the same page and you know one mind over here but I did give you a quick warning before we hit record today and we've been doing the same. and I'm sure all the listeners like okay we'll just get on with it but like we ask every guest before the next guest ask a question without revealing who you are and so I got to sit down this morning on May 9th which is when this podcast is being recorded with Caleb Hannon who is one of the owners of Stay Lake Norman And so he wanted to ask the question to you without knowing you were going to be Jonathan Wicks today. He said, what is something that you went through and thought, why? Why am I going through this? But now, in hindsight, can see why and understand it. It's a hard one. It's a hard one. I'm going to... Okay. Okay...
0: I'm going to give a personal and a professional one, maybe a little bit more zoomed out personal. I did not want to go to the college that I went to. I went to a college that was actually super, it it was like a seminary style. And I had to, basically the degree options were super limited because it was like a very Christian based. So I didn't want to go there. And I think had I gone to the place that I wanted to go, I don't think I ever would have started a company. I don't think I ever would have found my way out through entrepreneurialism versus the traditional route. And so, yeah, that would definitely be one of them where I don't think it's what I would, you know, I wouldn't have at the time been super thrilled. I wasn't super thrilled. It was kind of doing it for the parents kind of thing, you know, and in that sense, though, it turned out to be a great thing. I have no you know, I always say, if you're happy with where you, if you're content with where you are, you can't be upset at the road that got you there. And you know, the road yeah. that got me there was an interesting one, but, uh, but yeah, I'm happy with that. And then I would also say, you know, we went through initially there was, when we first started our company, we had a lot of folks, this had not really been done in terms of the idea of a company that said, Hey, we're going to have, we're going to have the linens be provided by our company. They're going to be great. You're going to love them. They're high end or we don't do anything low class, you know, and we introduced this and when we did we had one of one of the initial things was we of course had exceptions right we had all these exceptions to start cuz we had to start somewhere you know and so and there was yeah. there were some points there were some points where with one relationship i remember specifically where they were just so intent on doing on doing certain things their way and it was that they weren't respecting really what we were bringing to the table and that was a hard situation for us in Looking back, it was one of the best things that happened to us because we developed you know, our stances on things and we were you know, always transparent as possible. That relationship did not last. And that was one of those like, why is this happening? But I definitely look back and I say, that shaped our company. And that was a good thing for us to be able to provide the high level of service to the people that we do now, to the large numbers of people that we do now. We had to draw some lines in terms of things that we really believe in as a company. And
1: that, that's helped us for sure. Yeah, if you service everybody, you're not servicing anybody, right? Yeah, so, yeah,
0: totally, totally. And again, customization within standardization. I love customization, but there's, you know, if you're holding on to things for just the sake of control, in essence, that's strange. And I, you know, partnerships require trust. Of course, there should be a high level of trust, and we now have earned that trust. And you know, with yeah. especially with it, in that situation, we had earned that trust, and so that that was a learning point. But I would say at the time, I was thinking, man, that was this is not what
1: I want to be going through. Yeah, 100%. Well, I know you and I could probably, the next time we're in person together, go through our similar Bible college seminary experiences together moody bible institute for three months baby let's go come on what? Uh, i didn't know that. yeah three That's months crazy. and then i didn't make it very far after that but, yeah i graduated from one of those places my goodness <laughs> right right isn't that insane it's yeah i would love to catch up and geek out about that with you over a beer one of these days but yes it's a great i completely agree with you on the sense of if you're not content or if you are content with the, where you are today then you have to be thankful for the road that took you there or got you there And one of the, one of my favorite kind of exposure things to that type of mentality was watching the Tony Robbins documentary that was on Netflix a a while ago. And just kind of the sense of this girl was blaming her dad for all of her issues and her anger and maybe mistrust towards men. And she, you know, was all this and he's like, well, you blame your dad for all this bad stuff, but what about the good stuff? And she was like, well, this and that, and then she tried to justify it for a little bit, but then he kept pulling out more good things that she did and that shaped her to the woman that she was she's like if you're gonna blame him for the bad blame it for the good because that's what got you to where you are today and it's such a great i you know mind shift for me at least before getting into entrepreneurship of like all right if i'm gonna if i'm gonna you know complain i better at least give a compliment and a thanks to the road that led me to where obviously i am so no i love that
0: no question. Love use that. the skills that have been given. We've all been given this unique set of skills based off of our backgrounds and we have to use it and we have to lean into whatever that is that shaped us. And the other thing is sometimes the hardest things you've gone through allow you to relate to somebody else. That's one of the biggest uh-huh. things that helped. And so it's like, you can then say, I've been, I, no, I, nothing was handed to me either. We can, you know, we can all be leveling up in that
1: sense. And yeah, I think it does give empathy
0: and, and I think it's important in business too.
1: 100%. Empathy and emotional intelligence is key. Now, Jonathan, I want to ask you a question for the next guest. What do you want them to answer on their episode without knowing who they are and what their background is? I'm going to go in a positive thing and I would ask them to
0: describe one moment that they've had with someone within their organization or someone that they work with closely that have really been the while this is what I do it for moment, Mm. you know, that the moments that make it all worth it, all the things that we go through as entrepreneurs. And I think that we sometimes don't take the time to, to reflect on those moments, but they exist. And like the man, I worked for that. And, and especially if it's a moment with a person would be what I would say. So what's a moment with someone within your organization or in in any way that you felt like was the, that makes it worth it. moment? Yeah. And sometimes those moments aren't long. They're very short, but Great, But uh, I think we yeah. should relish in them. Yeah, we should relish in them because we know how hard it is. And so taking the time to, to think on that is, is, I think, healthy. So yeah, that's my question.
1: Definitely. I love that. That's a great question. And now the final question I ask every guest, no matter what, is outside of all the links that we're going to put inside of the show notes for this episode, what's the one link that anyone listening to right now has access to? What link would that be to send them to get to know more about you or your company or anything that we've talked about today?
0: at wellandgood.pro and that is on instagram it is the easiest thing at wellandgood.pro it is also our website so if you're thinking wellandgood.pro you're going to get to our website or our instagram handle that will do it and uh, at wellandgood.pro you can type it on your instagram and uh, you'll see a lot of our company culture through there
1: i love it i love it so you heard it here first slick talkers make sure you like and subscribe everything wellandgood.pro it will be linked in the show notes. Give Jonathan Wicks and his team a follow, a like, a subscribe, all the above. And of course, as I always love to say, we'll see you again next week. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on SlickTalkThePodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.